Welcome to the Elevate Your Event podcast, where we talk about how to plan and execute an unforgettable event that will dazzle your guests and generate more income for your organization. From fundraising and securing trendy auction items to event production and logistics, get the best tips and advice from seasoned fundraising and event professionals who have been in your shoes. Welcome back to Elevate Your Event. I've got uh, Kristen Wheeler here, and uh, Kristen works in the marketing department at Hambid, but also Kristen has a tremendous amount of experience with events and event promotions, and that's what we're going to talk about today. My name is Jeff Porter, CEO of Hambid, and uh, what we try to do in this podcast is just kind of give you different ways that you can take your event to the next level, and obviously, the more people that you can get there would be a great way to start. And so that is all around event promotion. Yes, there are some other things you need to worry about, like, am I charging the right price for my tickets? Am I having the, you know, do I pick a good date for my event? Do I pick a good time or a day of the week? All that other kind of stuff we'll cover some other time because that is also important to making sure that people do show up to your event. But let's talk about how we promote it. Yeah, so I think the first step is you really need to know your audience. You need to know your guests, what types of guests are coming to your event or what types of guests do you want to attract to your event? So that's going to determine your marketing strategy, really. So is it is it an older crowd? Is it a younger crowd? Is it an outdoors crowd? Is it an artsy crowd? All of those are going to factor into how you market your event. I would like to attract a wealthy crowd. (laughs) Wouldn't we all? (laughs) So maybe advertising on TikTok is not the place to start. I don't know. There are plenty of wealthy people on TikTok, but TikTok, it's a little bit more long term. So I think that TikTok is good for attracting people to your organization. I haven't seen a ton of benefit to sort of that short term come to my event because they may see your video long after your event has ended. Right. And I am kind of dating myself because I still don't get TikTok, but obviously- I could talk all day. Yeah, I know TikTok. you could. And my teenage <laughs> daughters have definitely mastered it. Right. Oh, good. Then, so I'm, I'm young enough to be a teenager. Yes, that's what, of course. Is that what you're saying? Or you know, you, I think you're just way more in tune with, with <laughs> what those folks are, are interested in. But anyway, so let's talk about the different types of channels. As you mentioned, you got to know where your audience, who your audience is. And then I think then would kind of lead into, then you can kind of figure out how do I reach that audience? So where, where are they going to see my promotion? Right. Where are they hanging out? So Direct mail is is not dead. Door hangers are not dead. That sort of paper marketing is still a grassroots. If it can be an effective way to market, I hundred percent agree. Yeah. Like, so we we do an event every year for my charity, and for years we would print the postcard and mail mm-hmm. it, right? And then we're thinking, you know what? I don't know. I mean, this is like like twenty twenty two or twenty twenty one or twenty twenty whatever it was. It's like we decided at some point. No, it's all digital these days. And so we stopped doing that. And then we started getting complaints. Well, I just really liked getting your postcard Mm -hmm. to save the day. And I would put it up on my refrigerator and you had a great photo on there and it would get me excited about your event. And so it did act, we didn't have time to do it this year, but it did actually come up again to to do something like that. Yeah, I think that snail mail, as they say, still has... Like I said, that effectiveness, but it's really about the the nostalgia because everyone gets so much junk mail that we still look forward to that 
piece of meaningful mail, and I still get invited to one or two galas a year where I look forward to getting the big fat envelope with the overlay and the return envelope, even though I'm going to go online and RSVP. Right. I like the hanging it on the refrigerator and opening it up and seeing seeing what the event is all about, even as a digital person. Yeah. A digital person that obviously understands TikTok is still recommending that you <laughs> I send still love getting mail. postcard, which is good. <laughs> so you got the postcard idea, but, but I, I'd imagine there's still got to be some digital elements. So what else do you think people need to be looking for in terms of how they're going to promote their event, even online? So I think that you have to be diverse. So even if you do have an audience that, like me, loves getting mail, you still want to supplement that with, with digital. On the flip side, if, if digital is your, is your main course, you can still supplement that with things like postcards and flyers. But in terms of, of digital, you really want to hit all avenues. So Facebook events are still a very effective way to get people's undivided attention. So they create a Facebook event and essentially it creates a Facebook group where people can RSVP and comment and get notifications about the event. When I throw a party, I still will do a Facebook event because it. it's it's a yeah. great way to reach people. Instagram stories and just posting day after day and, and really hitting people with that repetition is going to be really important with your digital marketing. Okay. Well, let's too. come back to stories because I think there's probably a lot of folks listening who are like, a what? An Instagram story sure. versus an Instagram post. And I'm, and I'm sure that there's a big difference there that we need to discuss with folks. But so let's go back to, you're talking about the Facebook event. Mm -hmm. So we did that. So we had, not too long ago, we had a concert fundraiser and we brought in a national act from Nashville. And so our goal was to try to get that promoted. And the very first thing we did was we put up a Facebook event. Okay, so mm -hmm. we, we put it on our website. You know, and then obviously when we had our event page up on our mobile bidding platform, that event page was up and promoted. But we also went to Facebook and did that. And the very first thing I noticed when I got there was, well, I don't have the assets for this. And what does that mean? Like I didn't have the graphic yeah. header page, you know. So you'd have to make sure you've got some tools or a designer or somebody who can help you set that up because Facebook doesn't do it. Right. Yeah. So any certain tools that you recommend or... So there are tools if you have the artwork that maybe your graphic designer has has sent you. Sometimes they'll send it in lots of different formats so you can use it in, in Facebook and on Instagram. It's pretty easy to ask them, hey, can you just give, give this to me in several different sizes? But as far as tools, there are tools like Canva or Adobe Express that will resize images for you and, and sort of spread your content out to make it fit whatever asset you're using. Yeah. So, and, and we, we used Canva. We also had a designer for this event. So that was kind of nice. I was, I felt a little spoiled, you know, cause I could just say, Hey Kelly, I need a Facebook event right. cover photo. Right. And then a day later it came to me in the exact format I needed, but if you don't have that luxury. I, I found Canva to be really helpful and really easy. I haven't tried Adobe Express yet, but I'm, I imagine they're Adobe, similar. Adobe Express is trying really hard to look and feel and operate like Canva only in Adobe's ways. So it, it does look a lot like Canva. And if you already have an Adobe subscription, you can use oh, cool. Adobe Express. And they're not scary, right? I mean, even if you're not super tech savvy, there's lots of templates out mm -hmm. there. So what'll be nice yeah. is that you now can build all those assets you need. Because if you are going to promote your event online, you're going to need some images and some graphics. Yeah. And that's a really good point. And you really want to, if you are creating it yourself, you want to pay attention to color schemes and 
font pairings because those things are important. If it's hard to read, people will skip right over it. They'll keep scrolling. They won't read it at all. They'll miss information. So if you are creating it yourself, it's really important to look at those things. And again, tools like Canva and Adobe Express will actually provide those templates for you. And so don't try to reinvent the wheel. There's lots of free resources out there to help you with your design process. I agree. And lime green on white does not look good, by the way. So. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Yellow on orange is a big yeah. no. <laughs> so when you when you kind of look for these templates, you'll find that, hey, these are really nicely mm -hmm. designed. They're pretty easy to edit. And so, okay, so now we've got our assets and we've created our Facebook event, which I think is a great idea. You know, the other thing we thought about doing, and I don't know what your thoughts are on this, is we thought about going back to the classic Evite. Have you used that recently? Or? You know, since COVID, not so much because I haven't been having as many gatherings, but there's nothing. Don't overlook an Evite, a, a punch bowl invitation. Get everybody's email addresses and dump them in there. And a lot of those platforms will do the work for you. Yeah. And I would say in looking at what I, I've been invited to weddings recently as well, looking at those types of tools that invite, I like the ones that, that open up pretty easily. There was one I, I got invited to a wedding recently, and it was one of those where I clicked it, and then this whole web page loaded. And it was just a graphic of this envelope, and then the envelope is like animating itself yes. open. I was like, okay, this is taking way too long. <laughs> I actually like those oh. because it feels like I'm actually opening mail. <laughs> <laughs> Try doing that one on your phone. Entertaining me. Yeah, yeah sure, sure, yeah. But uh, no, I mean, I think so. So you have Evite, you've got the Facebook one is nice because it will send it out to all your friends mm -hmm. saying, hey, we're having this event and people can tell you they're interested or going or whatnot. Right. And you can see who's viewed it. They have all kinds of things in there that you can use to your advantage. Right. But here's the disadvantage of those. You have to know who these people are that you're going to right. invite. Right. right. So how do we go beyond that? So if I'm having an event and certainly I'm going to invite, I have. Hopefully you have a CRM and a donor database and you're sending emails to them regularly so you know how to invite them. But how do you go beyond that reach? And so you were talking a little bit about social media. So what else? So talk a little bit about Instagram or any other ways that you could, you know, kind of reach a bigger audience. Yeah. So Instagram is an effective way to reach people still. I think that people can be intimidated by Instagram. I think they think Instagram is sort of on its way out and it's very much not. So utilizing Instagram posts, telling people why you are hosting your event, the story behind your event, whatever your cause is, whatever your objective is. It's really good when people can be invested in, in what's going on because to your point of wanting wealthy people, wealthy people get invited to a lot of events and they probably go to a lot of events. So using that power of story on social media, on Instagram, to, to show them why they should attend your event and why, why it will be meaningful for them to, to be there and, and to spend their, their dollars and, and their attention there. So, so let's talk about the, so you mentioned the word power story. So mm -hmm. describe the difference for our audience between an Instagram story mm -hmm. and an Instagram post. Yeah. Well, when I say the power of story, I do mean the power of storytelling, but it's a great segue. Yep. So. An Instagram post is something that stays on your feed or on your profile essentially forever. So if, if I go to Jeff Porter's Instagram, I can see his profile and scroll down and see, oh, he was at a wedding and oh, he had a kid graduate and, and that sort of lives there. That's a permanent post. A story is usually only up for 24 hours. 
So you can post your stories, but it's only there for 24 hours and then it disappears. The thing about stories, though, is in sort of this fast-paced, instant gratification society that we live in, more people are, are interacting and engaging with stories than maybe on their feed. So you're at this point, and we're getting in the nitty gritty, when you're, when you're posting, it's good to post, but you're also fighting with the algorithm of, of what Instagram thinks that people are going to want to engage with. With stories, you have a better chance of people actually seeing your information. So I recommend doing both. Okay. Okay. Now with the story, it's, is it a combination of photos that you're putting together so you could do some sort of thing about your event or is it one or you can do so when when they look in a story you you can do a, a photo collage or you can do you can do different slides so with the story you can have them tap through different slides and see kind of a progression of your event details so you can get really fancy and do a video with animations in an Instagram story with music that says come to our event and maybe it is your envelope that's unfolding. And then you can have a series of slides with the information. So you can get really creative with Instagram stories. And even in Instagram's newest feature, their their reels, which are similar to TikTok, you can you can venture into that part of Instagram as well. Awesome. I know that's a lot, right? It's but a I, lot. <laughs> but I know it, it takes a special PhD, I think, to Oh, well, really... just call me Dr. Kristen. Yes, exactly. <laughs> to, to learn about all the different ways that you can be promoting yourself online. But and it and it doesn't end, right? I mean, you have LinkedIn, you have Twitter, right? You have Facebook, obviously. Mm-hmm. Is there, is it all of them that you have to do, or do you have to kind of pick and choose based on your audience or your event? Well, as a social media person, I I think all of them is good, but again, it goes back to where's your audience hanging out. So if your audience, if you know that your your guests are not on Twitter. Maybe Twitter is really not a priority for you. If you think of it, sure. Or if you're trying to get a celebrity's attention for some reason, sure. Or if you're promoting a celebrity, like at your event, you had you had a, a band that was that was a, a main title. What is it called? You know, you had a, a headliner band right. that you know you maybe want would want to retweet or tag on Twitter. But it really goes back to where is your audience going to be? So Snapchat. If, if you're trying to get a college crowd or a high school crowd to come, maybe, but if they're in their 50s and 60s, you're not likely to catch them on Snapchat, and so I wouldn't make that a priority. <laughs> you just made me feel a lot better since I'm not a regular on Snapchat. I mean, I am 40, and I am not on Snapchat, so. No, I think you have to be under the age of 21, but anyway, that's <laughs> just, we're not here to pick on Snapchat. But uh, okay, so you have to be kind of where everybody's at, or I think to your, you made a good point. Depending on people that might be connected to your event, where where are they at? You know, so for our right. event, yeah, we we pulled in the frontmen of country, and they're the old lead singers of Restless Heart, Little Texas, and Lone Star, and they have a Twitter presence. So we had to be right. there because we wanted them to tweet about our event, and then we wanted to retweet that. Yes, because I'll, I'm just going to be perfectly frank. We don't have a lot of Twitter followers for our small little nonprofit, right? But they do, right? And so sometimes I think it can help Mm -hmm. to get connected with them. Yeah, and if you have like a local news anchor who is maybe serving as your master of ceremonies, you'll want to put something on Twitter that they can retweet to to generate the masses and and attract a larger audience. Yeah, and good point. Okay, so we've talked about, you know, because we're going to talk about paid here in a second, but we talked about, okay, so you have Facebook and 
You should always be posting there. You should consider Twitter, LinkedIn. You should always have a LinkedIn profile for your mm -hmm. nonprofit. And then you've got this idea of, well, how do I connect with other people who might be able to help me promote my event through their social media channels? And so we did that. Mm -hmm. So it's country music concert. So, of course, we reached out to the major country music station in Denver, and we asked for them to help promote our fundraiser. Mm -hmm. And they were very generous about it. They did. And so we had to send them all the assets. So, I mean, again, they don't have a lot of time to kind of mess around. So it's like, yes, we will send this out. I'll talk to the social media team. Send me five Instagram posts. Send me three Facebook posts. And then there were some other things that they asked for asset-wise. And they, they needed them by the end of the week. So you kind of have to have your stuff mm -hmm. together. But it was amazing mm -hmm. to see. It was really neat, right, to kind of see, wow, I'm up on their website now. Yeah. Underneath like upcoming concerts or look, they just did an entire Instagram post about our event. Yeah. And that there's a benefit too. those community websites are still very effective. So a lot of TV and radio stations will let you post your event to their website for free. And so people can click into what's going on this weekend. And if you have 20 or 30 minutes to fill out their form, your event could be right there. So. Yeah. And. The worst it was going to cost us, it actually didn't, but the worst I think it would cost you is possibly a few tickets for that quote unquote high profile person, whether mm -hmm. it's a news station or a radio station, to even come to your event. Mm -hmm. How cool is that? Right. So something that you can always offer as some, some sort of incentive is, hey, how about, you know, you even bring some of your talent and I'll even let you introduce the act on stage or I'll let you be an MC or whatever you want to do. And in exchange for that, you know, we'll give you guys some tickets you know, to come attend the show yeah. as well. Never underestimate the power of influencers. I know. Yeah. So that, okay. So we've covered, you know, basic social media. We talked about email and we also talked, you know, just a little bit about how you can leverage other people's social media mm -hmm. to kind of get out there. But, but if you, even, even if you don't have access to, you know, kind of a celebrity or some sort of like local media presence, social media, there is this option of paid. Have you ever explored that for an event? Not really, because that space is very noisy. And I personally don't re recommend if you are a one or two person operation trying to, for instance, boost a Facebook post. I think everybody can relate to what that is. But I, I really don't recommend doing it in-house on your own unless you are just an expert on paid media, right. because it is so nuanced now with privacy laws. And again, with the algorithms, it, it's really tough. Unless you have a very engaged, large audience, it's tough to get your paid media in front of people. Now, if you have an agency that's willing to donate their services and, and help you get your paid media out there, absolutely explore that opportunity. But I think you are going to have better luck with things like local radio stations and news outlets that will put it out there for you to their larger yeah. audiences. I agree with you. I think it's it, it can be really powerful, but it can be really expensive yeah. if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. You know, and Google does have, I don't know, it's been a while since I've looked into this. They do have a grants program. And so they oh, will okay. give charities, you have to apply for it. And and it's it's quite an application process, but they will give charities, I want to say back when I was doing it, like $500 a day in AdWords budget. Wow. But if you don't know how to do AdWords, like, yeah. so what ironically would happen is that you would get this budget and you still have to pay an agency to set up all your campaigns because it's hard. And so it is a little bit tougher, mm -hmm. right? 
And for our event, we tried a variety of things. Like, hey, how about some newspaper ads? We, we did sure. a Kentucky Derby fundraiser in the past. And so let's kind of publish some ads in some newspapers. And we got a nonprofit rate just to see what would happen. And the, the struggle we had with it is it did cost us money. I, I, we didn't have great control over who was seeing those ads. And let's be honest, like you just don't want anybody coming to your fundraiser, right? You want people that are going to have a propensity to donate. And what we found through some of our experimentation there was I can go out and do paid media and I can promote it and get people to come. But are these people there just for the party? So they're going to buy their ticket and then eat and drink and be merry, but maybe not raise their paddle at the end. Right. So it was it was a good experiment. We 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 certainly don't regret it, but I would say you got to be a little bit careful with that one. Yeah, yeah. As a rule, there's always there are always events that are exceptions, but paid media is getting harder and harder because it's it's just so noisy. Right. So so then let's talk about the power of repetition, right? Yeah. Because what you've described is okay. So I'm making these posts. Uh, maybe I've sent out that one email, but is one email enough? One, nothing is, is enough. I mean, there's <laughs> nothing that just takes one time that, that will reach the audience that, that you want to reach in an effective way. So it does take repetition. By the end of it, you're going to feel like you are a broken record and saying the same thing over and over and that you have just annoyed people to no end. And some of the best marketing advice that I ever got is just when you feel like no one is ever going to talk to you again because you've bothered them about it that much. That's when they're actually just starting to pay attention to your message. Right. So one and done is does not exist, especially in the social media world, especially digital marketing. You have to repeat the message over and over and over. And there are tools out there online, too, that can help you rephrase the message so you're not just saying the same thing, but right. you're still saying the same thing. You're just saying it in different ways. So you have to do multiple emails, multiple posts. And one thing we haven't talked about yet is text messaging, I really think, is the future of, of that one-to-one -one marketing. So email is never going to go away, but you're really going to reach more people with text messaging. So if you have that in your software, if you have a texting platform, definitely use that to your advantage oh, in promoting your event. 100%. And in just... A quick stat for you on that, and then we'll talk about an event that, that we were involved in recently where I just saw that work so incredibly well. So uh, the stat was is that the open rates on text are over 90%. Yeah. You don't get anywhere near that with an email, okay? And I would say, you know, and they tell you in sales this too, that you need to send maybe up to a, a minimum of five emails to somebody before they'll finally respond. It is absolutely true. You know, so when I was in sales, you send that one email, no response. You send the second one, no response. I don't even later, respond to certain... emails from my husband. I, well, <laughs> he's like, "Have you read your email?" Well, oh, no, you got. Can you send that? I again? don't know. I think you're filtered. <laughs> Maybe, but uh, it's so funny. Like you're like ready to give up, and then you send that like fifth pre breakup mm. email, and all of a sudden they're like, "Hey, yeah, I'm sorry, I've been busy. I'll get back to you next week." Mm. So it it does work. Repetition does work as it relates to text messaging with those high open rates. Obviously, you have to have access to people's phone numbers, mm -hmm. right? And so what's nice about like a lot, some of the mobile bidding softwares out there is it, if you stick with them, they keep that information for you and then they allow you to use that information in subsequent years. So, you know, what's nice is that you can go in and say, hey, you know what, I'm ready to, you know, set up my next event. And so I'm going to create an invite list. 
right? Mm -hmm. And so what's nice about the invite list is you say, I want to populate that invite list with everybody who what, right? And you get to pick like everybody who donated to a prior event, everybody who registered last year. You can kind of compile this list out of that data, which is why it's nice to have that information at your fingertips and then populate the list and then either send out a mass email or send out that mass text. So, so we had a client and, and ironically, they also, it's a high school where my daughters go. And so we were involved at a variety of levels with that one, you know, but I saw that invite list work in an amazing way. And, and so to your point, even it's, even though you get a high open rate on those texts, you still need to have that repetition. Yep. And so what was amazing was it was like, okay, so Monday I got a text about registering for this event. Tuesday, I got a text about registering for the event. Now, you don't want to overly annoy your folks, but again, the power repetition, Every I have the ability to log in and kind of see what's going on. I continue to see registrations come in as this, you know, this auction manager, Kristen White, you're, you're a rock star, there's no doubt. You consistently going in there and doing that, you are consistently driving more and more people to register. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is what you want, right? And people need to be reminded a lot Right. Then yeah. it's time to go. And the other, I think, problem with Denver, and I'm not going to pick on Denver specifically because I'm sure other cities are like this. We call Denver a late city. Yes. And it's really frustrating when you're promoting your event and people aren't buying tickets yet. And I'll tell you, like at our event, our table, our one table was $2,400 and then our bigger tables were $5,000. Okay. So there's not a cheap event. And we're selling tables the morning of the event. Wow. Right? I mean, it's like, you're thinking, I got to give data to the caterer and how many people are coming. And we just know. Like, I mean, sometimes you look at your list and go, well, they come every year. Why haven't they bought a table yet? You mm -hmm. know? And then all of a sudden, Friday night, the event's Saturday, you get a table sale. Or you wake up Saturday morning and they're like, hey, we were going to go out of town, but now we're not. So can we still come? Do you still have tickets? That stuff happens. So don't give up. So if you're like going through and you're promoting your event, and you feel like it's not doing anything that does not an invite. I would say it's not an invitation to stop. Yeah, don't stop. And again, that diversity in reaching even key sponsors. Maybe you sent them an invitation in the mail. Then maybe you did a follow-up email. Then maybe you had a follow-up phone call. Sometimes just that text like, hey, haven't heard from you. Right. Is the thing that does them and they go, oh, I'm so sorry. I saw that. You think that you're bothering them. Really, people just have so much going on that it go, it's in, out. I know people who check their phones the second that they roll out of bed and before that first cup of coffee. And by the time they've had that first cup of coffee, they've opened 15 more emails. And it's not that they're ignoring you. They just forgot about it. It was yeah. kind of part of their subconscious. You got starred. You got put into a folder. Yep. Or depending on how people organize their lives. My wife, like it's you're probably on page three by then, but she still knows about it, right? And she's going to get back to you. So, you know, whatever you do, you know, keep you know, kind of persistently reminding people, hey, we have an event this weekend. And you have to do that. This is where it gets tough across all the channels, right, that you have set mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. so. And I would say create a sense of urgency. So if you're down to the wire and, and you really need those registrations, really give them, it works. It's the human psyche, five more days, three more days, this is your last chance. And even if it's way in advance, it's your last chance for early registration. Right. Really give people that sense of urgency. Give them deadlines when you can too. Absolutely. And maybe an incentive. This yeah. can work. Everybody who registers by the end of the month will get entered into a drawing for 
a gift card. Right. Or a, a free pair of tickets or you got a it. meet and greet with, with the band. Yep. Those work. So, again, so that, I, I think this has been a helpful conversation. It was for me, right? Just kind of really starting to understand, gosh, there's there's a lot that you have to go kind of set up and, and prepare for. I mean, and you're also planning your event. You got to deal with the caterer and venue walkthroughs and everything else. But it is good to have either a dedicated resource, I think, mm-hmm. or just some dedicated time in your plan. So start early. Don't, don't start promoting your event a week before it starts. When would you say you would want to start? I usually start promoting. It depends on the size of, of the events. You can... I. I do like a save the date, maybe as long as three months, as early as three months before. Okay. But really that sweet spot, I think, is six to eight weeks is when people will start getting on their radar. And to your point about Denver, I mean, three to four weeks is when they even, oh, like, what are we doing? Right. (laughs) So there's there's a range. There's a range there for sure. Yep. I I think that's absolutely perfect. So definitely figure out Three months out, you've got that save the date, and you're probably thinking to yourself, oh, my gosh, it's too late. My event's in two months. <laughs> Just start now. It's, it's so- never too late. People will always jump on. But, you again, that repetition, you, you, as many reps that you can get in as possible will help you to be effective. Awesome. So you guys are going to be experts in Instagram stories. It sounds like you can not worry about Snapchat just yet, which is kind of cool. TikTok is going to have to be an entire other episode because I know nothing about TikTok. So Kristen has a lot to teach us, apparently, that I think we might do some moves or something. I don't we'll know. do a TikTok. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I like I've never seen that move on TikTok. Oh, I bet you you'll have, have to. You'll yes. be a trendsetter. Jeff. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and then, you know, obviously get that email list up to date. Start emailing people through your CRM. Find some mobile bidding software that allows you to create text invites. I think that's a powerful way to do it. Yeah. Any other last parting thoughts for our The our last crowd? thing, I think I'm all about working smarter and not harder. And with the tools that you mentioned, most of them allow you to schedule those in advance. So you don't have to be at happy hour or jump out of bed in the middle of the night going, I forgot to do a post. You can actually schedule these out in advance. And there's always supplemental things that you can put in there. But having that that plan in advance and, and then scheduling things out will definitely make your job easier. Very good point. And it, I, it does take some discipline, but we do have some marketing tools even here at Ambit. And I've seen that. And it's really cool. You literally can schedule all your Facebook posts mm-hmm. or LinkedIn posts or whatever. And that will save you some heartache. Because if you want that post to go out at like, I'm not going to say this is a good time, but say you wanted to go out on Monday at 5 p.m. Well, guess where you're going to have to be Monday at 5 p.m. if exactly. you can't schedule. Exactly. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining me today. And we're talking about event promotions. And definitely, I'm going to have to tap into more of your brain when we're ready to promote my next fundraiser. <laughs> Happy to help. Yes, I want a TikTok that's going to be made. <laughs> I'm going to make you do the dance. I'll get my high school daughters to do it. They're quite good at it, right? Or maybe we'll get the Hambit team to do it. We'll see. You get your high school daughters in the front and you in the back, and it'll go viral. Every yeah. time. They love the dads in the videos. Well, my mother-in-law has participated in a number of TikToks, and those go viral, those, too. Those, so. I'm sure that they do. Yes. So, perfect. All right. Well, thanks, guys, for joining us today. And we'll be back pretty soon with another episode of Elevate Your Event. 